Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new episode of Stories from Space Podcast, where your host, Matthew Williams, examines the history of human spaceflight, the breakthroughs that revolutionized our understanding of the universe and our place in it, and the brave individuals who work tirelessly to advance the frontiers of our understanding. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. The authors acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional unceded lands of the Lekwungen peoples. To me, it's not enough to just travel to Mars and survive. Now we have to develop a way in which we can sustainably thrive. It's essential that we call on a new generation of thinkers and innovators to make this a reality. Welcome back to Stories from Space. I'm your host, Matt Williams, and today we are talking to the world's first Mars architect, Vera Mulyani. She is an architect, a landscape and urban designer. She's a filmmaker, and yes, she's the founder of Mars City Design, and currently she is studying for her PhD in epigenetics and microbiomics. Vera Mulyani, welcome on the show. Hi, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here today. Yes. Well, pleasure to have you there because uh, I'd say of all the people that I've talked to so far as part of the show, all those we've had on, you have got quite possibly the most diverse and impressive background and one would get the point you're something of a journey woman or a renaissance woman. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that title is just because I don't fit anywhere. A common saying is uh, a jack of all trades, master of none. But you have actual masters, and I'm not. I'm not sure that uh, that would apply. I think yeah, you've got uh, mastery over several areas. Now, can you tell us the title of Marscatet? This is a this is a very interesting and timely honorific. What exactly does that mean? For me, it's simply architecture for the Mars environment because we do have what we call Mars architecture in systems engineering. It's a saying for engineers and mission leaders to plan the big mission uh, to go to Mars, to land on Mars, and to come back. That's what we call it Mars architecture. So we want to distinguish uh, for the understanding uh, for people to see that this involves human habitat, human environment, human-centered design, and life support systems that will enable humans to live on Mars, if not thrive. And that's that's the key word, isn't it? Uh, not just survive, but thrive. Correct. And all my hope, all my hope is that in the realm of Mars architecture, we will eventually include Mars architecture as an essential element if we want to send humans to Mars. In fact, the very idea of architecture for Mars, there's a whole lot of significance and implications in there that that really you don't see with Earth, right? We're talking, like, on the one hand, a lot of what goes into space architecture, the idea of just living beyond Earth. But on Mars in particular, it, it... there's specific challenges, aren't there? Absolutely. So I guess the initial intent to 
architecture for Mars was also the freedom to start with the clean slate with no regulation that has been set by humans, uh, but by nature directly. And that would be the environment of Mars, the extreme environment of the planet. And that is very exciting to me because it involves everything, science, geology, and also the human aspects. Uh, and that particularly will definitely need the team of architects, engineers, and designers, doctors, uh, scientists, and everyone to collaborate. You know, I think just from the introduction that you mentioned, the diversity that I have been exploring in my life is because I don't understand why we have to separate expertise. Well, I do understand because life is so short that one person could only be such an expert on one thing and we focus really deeply. But I guess this is the job of an architect to be able to somehow, you know, it's like a composer. We make sure that all instruments could be included and we can create and compose the beautiful music with complete different instruments. And yeah, in fact, I, uh, I mean, that, that is actually, uh, I would say for anyone who's looked at your, your studies, your background there, it, it does become clear how these various things that, that people might think are unrelated or whatever, it's like they really do go together. There's art, there's design, there's architecture, there's uh, engineering, there is science, space. Yeah, you, you, you have to understand all of this, or don't you, if you want to live off-world and create a life off-world. Yeah, imagine a, a world that is only built by engineers. Imagine a world that is only built by hairstylists, a world that is only built by chefs or by architects alone. Mm -hmm. Yes. Actually, I have a book for uh, children stories about Mr. Blue, who lives in a village where everyone is an architect. <laughs> so that was one of the inspirations that really taught me, you know, we need absolute creative collaboration with uh, diverse experts to achieve big goals. Yeah, and I, I certainly, uh, I can certainly see the, the logic there. In fact, uh, when, right now, when people hear about uh, living on Mars or habitats on Mars, yeah, they tend to think of, well, we need structures that can withstand the radiation and have a self-contained atmosphere inside because the air is so thin and, well, you know, we got to think about the gravity long term and and there's all the logistics of it and how do we build it and it's like yeah these are all very engineering style questions or space flight and aeronautics questions growing food is another thing yes but what about how how are the people going to connect with their environment how are they going to live inside the habitats in such a way that they don't go crazy because it's just so bland boring and they feel isolated right Personally, that's what I think is so uh, brilliant about distinguishing between thriving and surviving, right? Surviving means... Right. Yeah, surviving means the elements. Thriving means being happy, productive, and sane, right? And healthy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, for the sake of our listeners, I want to disclose the fact that I have worked with Mars City Design in, uh, in the past for quite a while, and 
we'll certainly get to that soon enough. But yeah, right now, I think what the listeners would be most interested in is the road that brought you to this place. I think it comes back to background education in France, where I had this wonderful mentor who one day for our exam and presentation of our design called the Ideal House, he invited another judge who is actually a doctor psychologist. So all the students were kind of shocked, like, what is she doing here? And uh, it was such a wonderful outcome because uh, the psychologists were basically asking all these um, mental aspects of how we live inside as the habitat. So, so it's not just designing something out of, you know, being an artist, uh, creating this magical, magic wand and uh, become an ideal house. It's really tailor-made uh, based on the context who lives there, and what's their story, and what's the story of the environment, and how do they combine as living moments. And from there, we create the space, and we let them celebrate their lives in there. So that's how the introduction to a different discipline has helped us to go beyond just designing something instead of designing for someone. Mm-hmm. And... From there, it made me realize that I have no limit in terms of fields that I can uh, learn and integrate in my architectural practice. And when I finished my thesis, actually, I decided to learn filmmaking because that's the way I communicated my ideas in the easiest way. And after that, uh, it brought me to Los Angeles from New York, and in Los Angeles, I met a lot of space friends who actually really inspired me coming back to my childhood dream to see the night sky and the Mars uh, twinkling when it was such a hard time, and I realized that, you know, this is the time I can actually contribute my discipline to a different world of expertise and that's when I realized, you know, people are going to Mars one day, maybe not uh, at our generation, but it needs to start integrating architecture uh, now because it's a long road to start some innovation that will eventually be polished and refined and adopted by the next generation to be able to go beyond what we know today. So that's how our city design was created is because at the time I couldn't find any position for me to, as an architect, to work in the space industry. Mm-hmm. And that was like seven, eight years ago. Uh, now it's different because you could see the impact of what we have been doing is that uh, we're more diverse and people start hiring creatives in the space architecture and also at NASA, SpaceX, all these top Mm -hmm. space companies. So that's where the journey began. 
Yes, and, and Mars City Design really was and is a trailblazer, isn't it? There's been an explosion in, uh, in terms of space uh, design and architecture groups, and in fact, well, you know a lot of these people, That's right. right? They, yeah, a lot of these people actually uh, <laughs> learn from you. Um, now, I do want to back things up just a little bit, because you mentioned your thesis, and, um, well, I, I found out about it, and, uh, well, the name was uh, really quite fun. <laughs> And yeah, it was uh, F de Rules, basically uh, F Bomb de Rules was the name of it, uh, was it not? Yeah, hmm. uh, that was a that was a conceptual title. I was in a subway the first day when I arrived in New York ever in my life, mm-hmm. and uh, it was I think an R train that went to Queens, and I heard uh, someone saying oh, just F the rules. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting, and I kind of adopted it because I wanted to experiment and, um, you know, how New York was shaped. It's all based on the zoning regulations, like, you can't really be too creative because uh, there are just so many rules, but at least that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Then, um, it took me two years to finish that thesis because... I needed to master the rules before we're able to be creative, basically. So um, that, that's the lesson I learned from the title, basically. Mm-hmm. You want to be rebel, you have to go beyond the rules, but the only way to do that is to learn through it and master it. God, yes, that oh, that's one of my favorite quotes ever, too. Uh, Yes, you have to learn the rules uh, so that you may break the rules, <laughs> or uh, learn, right. yeah, you have to learn the rules before you can break them, and that's that's Basho. <laughs> uh, that's attributed that's right. to to the poet Basho. There, yeah, what a wonderful thing. Anyway, so that your thesis, uh, your thesis was made into yeah. a documentary too, wasn't it? Of the same name. Yes, it was uh, again more artistic, so uh, not like a documentary. Basically, if public would watch that, um, it needs the context. Otherwise, I don't think people would understand. <laughs> it was really specifically to accompany the writing thesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows it shows how New York is shaped on a daily basis. I would wake up at the same time in the morning and take a one take one picture every day at the same time, 6.58, at a Columbus Circle. So basically, I, I have a meeting with myself every day at 6.58 a.m. to take a picture of this Columbus Circle with uh, a building that is renovating at the time. So we could see the progress and really fast change in, in New York. And that made into an animation where I could show to the judge for my thesis about, you know, how the change are shaped and according to the specific rules that I was uh, highlighting in that area, it was beyond what the rule is. It basically renews the rule. It was such an interesting finding. So that was the video documentary about 
In fact, there you talked about how to turn damaged areas into sustainable green zones, and it's a term uh, known as recycling cities. That was also featured in there, yeah. Yeah. And so that same kind of sustainable thinking, right, it's very much related to living in hostile environments or, or environments that we, you know, are, are not particularly hospitable to us. Yeah, that's really interesting that you point that out. I never thought this this pattern where, you know, it builds toward what we're doing mm-hmm. now. Like, I have always been attracted to converting the most forgotten place into something attractive and exciting and basically the word may be to revive mm-hmm. to revive a place and that's what we would love to do with Mars you know we revive it but also we want to be part of it we want to understand it first and think about the human condition today how can we improve that so that we can improve the land, the planet. Oh yeah, and Dr. The connection. I, I believe it was Dr. Cyan Proctor who said this. It's like sooner or later we realize that working with environments here on Earth, working with environments off-world, how unbelievably interrelated it is, and so solving for space solves for Earth, right? If we can... Right. Yeah, it's like if we can create buildings on Mars in that inhospitable uh, environment, then we can rehabilitate industrial uh, wastelands here on Earth using the same methods. Now, if I could wind the clock back just one more time. Now, you grew up in Jakarta, and that was the, yeah, so your your young years, your formative years, uh, as I understand it, um, that coincided with the ongoing violence and civil war and... Jakarta itself, there was violence going on there on a pretty regular basis. But that it was during that time you found inspiration by looking up at the night sky and also do, expressing yourself through artwork. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry to put you on the spot here or make you feel uncomfortable. But yeah, what was it, what was it about Mars especially that was so inspiring? I think it's hope. Anything that is completely out of the context is some hope. For me... Uh, when we're facing to such harsh reality, there's always a quiet calling that when you focus on the positive, then you could find that. And that's what I was following. It's like a little sign that is appearing during chaos. And that's your, I guess, survival call. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. what I follow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, your your artwork when you were young, was it inspired by looking to space as well? Not at all, actually. Oh, uh, space, space for me was really, you know, I think it's because we didn't have that access to education in, in the beyond the science of humans and the food we eat. Like, we don't really have any technological scientific uh, education uh, because the teachers were not either informed, you know, I mean, it's a third world country in the past, like in uh, back in the early 90s, so very limited uh, information, and we didn't have social media like today, and, you know, you guys grew up with space camp, uh, I mean, I, I had my own space camp, but 
picnicking with my dog on the rooftop with blankets and few uh, snacks, I guess. That's <laughs> my space camp. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, that darkness is very inspiring because when you look at the infinite, you know, distance, I guess, uh, you can understand that life is not just this very surrounding reality. Mm -hmm. It's bigger than any of us. And that's how I understood already. This is why I believe that every one of us is part of made of stars and because in each of us have that quiet calling like I said to reconnect with the planet and if you don't mind my asking because I mean all of this really came together and put you on the road that you've mentioned so far right going to France being educated at Ecole d'Architecture de Nantes a very prestigious architectural school I mean, that, that began because people were, were seeing your art, right? And the collectors were actually were, were buying them and they were encouraging you to, go, to move to Paris to show them and train there. In fact, uh, one thing I've always wondered, where did you learn to speak French? Well, like everyone else, I guess. Uh, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, I went to French school. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, we had the French embassy in Jakarta, so I started with that. For three months, but I do I did have a, a remarkable allies that have taught me to write and to speak. A good friend of mine, uh, Jean Pers, who have been supporting me since I was really young, and we were um, helping the oil company in Asia. I was a translator, and I I just realized that you know. When I learned other languages, I actually could read their books and there are so many new informations that I didn't realize existed. Mm -hmm. And so I was finding the gateway to the freedom and the life I have today just through languages and through the books and discovering new people that are from outside uh, where I lived. It was fascinating, the discovery. So I forever, I forever thank my French friends who gave me, you know, the way to connect with my future at the time. Well, yeah, like I said, this all, it just, it came together, didn't it? It proved that everything in life is connected because... I mean, from uh, from translating and doing your art, you were you were able to move to Paris, pursue architecture, and then film, and then and then aerospace because of you know your love of the stars and love of Mars. And so, in in terms of aerospace, you moved to California in 2015, and it was the new space industry, like uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX and all that 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 had a profound impact. Yeah, so I didn't move 2015. I already was in LA for a while. I moved there, I think, 2009. And so. I was able to learn about uh, Elon Musk's plan to arrive on Mars and bring a million people by 2100, which is like a lot of people. <laughs> and that's when I realized, wow, that, that is a city, not a base. And that's when I realized I think I could contribute. And even if 
there is no position for someone like me with my background, I should be able to create it for myself. And that's how our city design was built. And so, yeah, it was just going to say, yeah, you were there for some of the biggest developments, right? I mean, this was when SpaceX had been around for almost a decade, but they were really starting to make the, the big waves. And it's like today, their household name and people are like, oh, SpaceX did this. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's the latest thing they did. But I mean, back then it was like SpaceX is breaking ground here. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Back then... Uh, back then, I couldn't even tell people how excited I was about Elon Musk's plan or SpaceX because there were a lot of like what we call old space versus new space uh, that really didn't believe in his effort and didn't believe in the possibility that space could be a lot more accessible for, you know, the new generations. So mm-hmm. I followed my intuition and I just think if we are going to send humans to Mars, this is what I need to do. And that's that's it. <laughs> yes. And yeah, and, and so twenty sixteen, that's when the Mars City Power Lab was launched and you guys began hosting the Mars City Design Competitions. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And yeah. that's where actually that's where all the new Mars architects are coming from not just, you know, the competitions, but also the individuals that now are leading uh, different programs, like mm-hmm. a lot of uh, international design combined with engineering activities, which is great. And I'm really happy that, you know, it becomes almost a continuity of what architecture could do after they graduate as an architect and they learn engineering, they could eventually contribute in the space industry. That was the goal. Yes, and I will I will say that some of these designers too, after seeing what they were what they were capable of while covering these uh, these competitions, yeah, I, I, I still I see what they're still doing now, like their newest designs and their latest ideas, and they are just amazing. And in fact, after the, yeah, after Mars City Design began, that's how you and I met, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I was covering one of the one of the competitions. I think it was uh, the 2018 one, or no, I think it was the 2019 one. Yes, you were you were writing about the projects and uh, with remarkably eloquent that people could understand what each participant would like to express. Now, um, I think the most significant is to facilitate the communication and the story about the Martian dispatches. This is the next step that I'm really excited to uh, share about. You know, we it's important to envision before we do anything, because without the vision, without the imagination, I think people really underestimate ideas and innovations. They confuse innovations with business because there is a creativity that is having original value that will eventually create a reality instead of just some 
object that you design and distribute, this is something that will be alive. So mm-hmm. I wanted to highlight that in the merchant dispatches that you know, whatever we are doing today will determine the life of these people in the future. And mm-hmm. what would be their story that we will hear is going to be completely different if we ignore this fact. Absolutely, yeah. And just to clarify for our listeners, this is, uh, in fact, what Vera and Mulyani and myself, what we came together to work on shortly after I, I was writing about uh, Mars City Design Competitions. Um, yeah, there will be more information on that, be broadcasting in the not-too-distant future. So, you've got a, a, a number of projects on the go right now. In particular, you are currently working on a twin study through Mars City Foundation, which is your nonprofit research and uh, innovation arm. You're right, we're performing the twin study. Mars City Foundation is launching and operating in collaboration with the Cornell University School of Medicine led by Dr. Chris Mason, who also was part of the uh, team, scientist team, studying the NASA twin study previously with Dr. Kelly and Mark Kelly. So this time it's not going to be with the ISS, it's going to be commercial. And we have a few candidates of who we will be uh, collaborating with. And sometime in September, we will have a forum where you could join us. Q&A is going to be on Zoom, and uh, you can register on Eventbrite. Just find Mars City Foundation Twin Study. And yes, that's on Eventbrite uh, for the listeners. Sounds fascinating. Yeah. And this, uh, whereas the other twin study that people are familiar with, yeah, that was uh, that was designed to test the long-term effects of microgravity and space radiation on the astronaut's body. This will be testing health in a more holistic way, which is really quite invaluable information there if we're going to start living in low gravity and different radiation environments away from Earth. Well, Vera, I want to thank you very much for coming on with us. Unfortunately, we are reaching the end of our time. But I imagine we'll get the chance to speak again because, well, you're, you're not exactly slowing down, are you? <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope that this doesn't sound like I'm on Mars already, uh, sound-wise. Mm-hmm. But I wish you all well and uh, stay tuned. And a big applaud for Matt here. Uh, thank you for your uh, dedication, passion, and uh, helping all of us to arrive uh, to our destination through your help in amplifying the mission. Thank you. Hey, thank you. And I hope someday that, yes, there is a thriving colony on Mars, and I can point and say I had a small, tiny, insignificant uh, role to play with that. (laughs) (laughs) Humble. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Stories from Space podcast with Matthew Williams. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. 
you can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.